Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Marlins 9. And today I'm joined on the podcast by Sean Barrett. Had him on the pod last year, big time Marlins fan over across the pond, as we say. Uh, Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Jeremiah. Thanks for having me on. Got to say that opening music, I, I can get down to that. I'm not the most effusive <laughs> of dancers, but my head was bobbing a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, I switched it up a little bit from last year, but trying to keep the festive vibes going. And it's almost kind of um, symbolic of to the Marlins start, a little bit festive. We've seen some very great performances individually. This is the first pod of the regular season I'm doing here. So as I record this, the Marlins are 6-7. and seven. They start a three-game set against the Diamondbacks tonight at home. But Sandy, a complete game shutout. And the biggest um, performance of the season so far is Luis Arias hitting the Marlins' first-ever cycle in franchise history. Your reaction so far to both those performances and the season so far at large? I mean, it's been a fun season, hasn't it? I mean, we know that there are going to be ups and downs, but so infrequently do we get such big highs. I mean, as you said, the cycle, the first mile in cycle ever. Sandy going complete game. I mean, it's been a bit up and down for him, but it's, it's early in the season. If you look at his other early season starts, it's always a little bit shaky and then he settles down. But to see both of those in so early in the season, uh, it's exciting. It's in, in, you know, it gives me enthusiasm for the season. We know that this team isn't, you know, that lockdown for sure playoff team. So you've got to take your wins when you get them, and and that means not only actual wins, but the, the positives to take away from the games as well. So far, it's it's been a fun season, I think. Oh, it has been definitely very very fun. Um, something I want to get into though, you mentioned Sandy's slow start. Um, aside from the shutout, he struggled a bit on opening day with control. And then the Phillies just roughed him up there in Philadelphia. A lot of hits allowed. But I'm not worried about that as much. Um, I think he's going to figure it out. Reigning Cy Young winner. The positive on the pitching staff is the real emergence of Jesus Luzardo as being, you know, one of the top starters in the National League so far statistically and just pure arm talent. That offers Miami a real one-two punch. Absolutely. And with the loss of Pablo as well, you've got to factor that in. I think a lot of fans were expecting Lazada to step up to a certain degree and be that solid number two. But so far, he's he's been more than that. He's been an absolute star. And I think a lot of that goes to Mel. You got When he was traded to the Marlins, I think there was, the expectations were reasonably low. I mean, this guy had struggled at the Major League level and was coming across um, as a sort of like a sell low buy buy low situation, give him to Mel and and we saw we saw brief sort of episodes of this from him previously, but never really for a long period of time. And of course, it's still early this year, but nothing from his performances so far to begin this season make it look like it's not something that could be sustainable. And and if that's the case, then as you said, yeah, the Marlins have got a really exciting one two punch going through the season. Oh, for sure, one hundred percent. Jesus, to me, when um, the Marlins traded Starling Marte a couple years back and acquired him, I I looked at the stats, I looked at the prospect rankings, and he was a guy that A's fans were really upset to give up on, seeing as he had so much control um, and he had all the stuff. It was always about um, 
that his headspace and him approaching the game mentally. And before the season, I made a couple pods where I gave my bold predictions. And Jesus Luzardo was my breakout player. He was my... Um, I predicted him to finish top five in NL Cy Young voting. Of course, a long ways away from that. But it's a tremendous start and something, you know, we need to see him continue for the Marlins to be competitive. Um, I say this a lot because the offense, you know, is has been a bit hot and cold in terms of run scoring, hitting with runners in scoring position. And yet at the same time, Sean, I feel like this Marlins offense is better than what they've put out statistically. We've seen them been able to rack up runs, you know, a couple games actually, and they're hitting the long ball, something they haven't done as of the last, you know, three, four, five years as much. Most of their runs have come via the home run. And so could a offensive breakout be on the horizon for the Marlins? Uh, what's your thoughts on, on the offense for Miami so far, the hitting? I mean, breakout is, is an interesting uh, word to use. I mean, it is a case of the, the Marlins were so poor last year putting up runs consistently. And they've had their struggles with the ground balls and the, the runners in scoring position this year. But there are there are times when you're watching the lineup back and it looks good. It looks competent. It looks, let's say, league average. And I think that would be a breakout for the Marlins. After the years, a couple of years that we've had going through this rebuild, the lineup's slowly but surely looking a bit better with the re-emergence of Solaire hitting home runs. Arias, of course, hitting four, five, six, seven hundred. I don't know. It's crazy numbers right now, isn't it? <laughs> right. Um, Coop doing what Coop does when he's healthy. I think what you said as far as the team being uh, the team being better than what it's currently doing is to a certain degree true. But And we heard a lot of that from Kim last year. And I think most of that was directed at Solaire and Abby, and with Solaire it was health, so that you can hope for a rebound. But so far in the early starts, Abby just doesn't look there. So when when Kim was saying it about Abby specifically last year, you kind of rolled your eyes a little bit because it just we see the at bats; they look really bad. But this year overall, the lineup, I think you're right. I think this this lineup can put up runs. And as it was being slowly constructed with the addition of Arias, I did kind of get a little bit excited going into the season in spring. And so far, the early results are, on the whole, positive. As I said, you know, there are going to be good days and there are going to be bad days. But on the whole, I think this lineup is is ready and can put up representative numbers that the pitching, if the pitching is as we expect it to be or as we hope it to be, um, yeah, this this team could be competitive going late into the season, which is always the first hurdle for me as far as what the team should be achieving. Especially as we, you know, we haven't even hit Memorial Day. We're still in the first month of the season. It's all, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And that's the important thing to remember with guys who have started out slow. Um, Jazz Chisholm, you mentioned earlier, um, we are talking before we started the pod about Jazz needed to take a day off. You know, he struck out four times the other day against Philly, had that golden sombrero. I think he's trying to do too much at the plate, but we all know the talents there. So let him have a day off, recuperate, get back in the lineup, and, you know, we're, we're going to start seeing him collect hits. I have no doubt about that. Um, Luis Arias is just great. 
you know, I, I tweeted out, you know, the other day, I think he's one of the best pure hitters in Major League Baseball, and it's just a fact. You know, the guy can flat out hit, seize the ball, and Coop, you mentioned when he stays healthy, he's on. The The key going into the season, I thought, to the Marlins' success um, hitting-wise was always going to be Soler and Avi. And Soler, we've seen the power. I'm actually really happy um, from what I've seen with Soler. But Avisail Garcia, I try to stay positive, but I'm at the point, Sean, where I truly think he's a waste of a lineup spot. I really do. He's he's not doing anything. Anything. No, and... Oh, go ahead. No, so it is a case of, yeah, I mean, the, stri- the strikeouts are, uh, are there, but it's more the uncompetitive at-bats. It's the, right. the ball over ground balls to third base. And, I mean, Craig Mish, who does a great job, um, as you well know, um, put out there that the team aren't going to put up with this for too long. It, you know, given April, given May, they're going to need to see enough of a sample size, if they haven't already, to say that he's definitely done. And now I'm putting words onto this. This isn't what Craig said. But how much longer can the Marlins realistically put up with this? I mean, he's in the lineup today. Um, and, yeah, you want to be positive because you know how important he is or specifically how important the Marlins have put that money into him and, and we need a return for that. I mean, it is a case of they're going to have to do something sooner or later, whether that's just a straight DFA or whether that's a, a trade for a bad contract. But then you're taking on a bad contract, so are you really winning? But ultimately, it is that case of the the main point right now, and the reason why we should be having this discussion is because of those uncompetitive at-bats. It's a hole in the lineup. You can literally plug in anybody right now and have that player be better. So the money isn't important in my mind. You are instantly getting better by not having him in the lineup. And and, and that's it's a sad state to sort of see, really. No, I agree. I agree. Um Jacob Stallings is even a guy I was gonna I was gonna joke around and say, well, maybe besides Jacob, but even in Philadelphia we saw Jacob hit the ball. You know, he had a double, um, and he's starting to, I mean, very limited offensively, but at least he's making his at-bats semi-competitive, unlike Avi. It's just, it's a travesty. This entire contract has been a tragedy from start to finish, um, right up there with the Wei Yin Chin contract, you know, from 2016. Um, so time will tell, but no, if this team is, you know, circling around 500, and playing 500 ball come Memorial Day, and Avi is still not being competitive at the plate, I see no logical explanation to keep him in the lineup whatsoever. Um, But as for a positive addition, not two off-seasons ago, but this off-season, and credit to Kim Ang and the front office for for making this trade, getting their closer, uh, A.J. Puck, from the Oakland Athletics and giving J.J. Blade a new, you know, a new spot, a new home, because he just wasn't working out in Miami. But, you know, J.J. has yet to debut in Oakland, but he's hitting well in AAA. And A.J. Puck, I have been very impressed with him so far this year. Oh, hugely. I mean, he's, he's been fantastic so far. And it is a case of... It, it was strange for me when the trade happened, because I think if, if Puck hadn't put up the 22 numbers that he have, and you look at the seasons before that, you could kind of understand the trade a little bit more. 
you know, these are two guys that have struggled at the major league level or the, the high minors. But the 22 season from Puck was, was fantastic. He proved that he couldn't do a whole season of reliever work, do it at a high level. So for the Marlins to be able to pick him up and, and for him to continue to run with that, of course, health matters, but that you could say that about every player, specifically pitchers. Um, the Marlins, in, in my eyes, have, have now got a closer you could be confident about. And, I mean, when was the last time you could really say that consistently? I mean, you're going back to AJ Ramos and Steve That's Shusek. what I was going to say. Um, it's it's crazy, and it's he's he's not young at twenty eight, but he's controllable, and I think that's that's the key point. And this is the first time in a few seasons, dating back to the AJ Ramos days, um, and you know when they had the the big hitters Stanton, Ozuna, and Yelich, that I actually felt I feel confident about the bullpen. I don't go into a game. And think to myself, if oh, if we have a four-two lead, we're gonna blow it because that's what the Marlins have done consistently. And now you look at guys like Dylan Floro, Matt Barnes, AJ Puck, like these guys, um, they're shoving, they're pitching, and it, it's great to see. It is great to see that Skip Schumacher, the manager, is taking care of the bullpen, and I feel that he knows how to run the bullpen a little bit better so far um, that that I've seen. I think he's going to have guys on a little bit of a shorter leash than Donnie, than Donnie had. I felt like Donnie almost ran, ran his guys into the ground. Like if, if this isn't working, we're going to keep doing it until everything explodes. But I don't feel that way at all. I feel like this bullpen is much more talented. And as long as they stay healthy, that's going to be the key going into um, – you know, the summer months and the rest of spring, but no, it's great to see. It's great to see. The only, only thing I'll say on the bullpen left is uh, Tanner Scott still struggling with command. It's going to be interesting to see how Skip continues to manage his use usage in high leverage situations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact is that the, the bullpen now is deep, but obviously Floro for a while was the de facto closer because they had no one else. Uh, and now he is down into the setup role and and doing a good job. Matt Barnes, you mentioned, been solid so far, and I think it is a case of the fact that the Marlins don't have to rely so heavily on Tanner Scott in a high leverage situation, because yeah, the walks the walks are killer for relievers. It's the last thing you want, and I I know the stuff's elite, but he needs to piece it together. And I think it's it is a case of if if it isn't going to happen, then then yeah, he's not going to be seeing highly competitive work. Um, but the fact that the Marlins have a bullpen that means you can have a guy like that not at that level is fantastic. Um, and yeah, you're right with Skip as well in the sense of so far this season, there's been not one decision or one thing where you're questioning it or there's there's been no you know comeback on it. The best way to, to judge a manager in my eyes is the fact that the game just is smooth. Everything seems to be under control. He knows what he's doing. There's no questions where you're thinking, does he know what he's doing? Is is he is the game going too quickly for him? I think the one knock I would have is just the speed with which they're getting their their replays um, on any on any play they want to question. Because there's been a couple of plays where you feel like maybe you want to have another look at that, and they, you know, he's got his hand up and he's trying to wait and wait and wait, and then that time it just goes and and they've missed their opportunity. 
Um, but on the whole, no, I think I think Skip has had a positive start, and I'm actually quite excited by the bullpen. And transitioning out of the bullpen, uh, let's talk about let's talk about the lineup a little bit. We mentioned today's today's lineup is looking a little bit rough. Um, you know, we got Garrett Hampson starting. Um, to be to be quite frank with you, I don't know why he's even on the the roster compared to other guys in AAA. Um, you know, Jordan Groshen, Xavier Edwards, uh, to name a few. Uh, even Harar and Encarnacion. There's there's three guys that I think could um, could get some at bats at the major league level. Depth is an issue, I think, in the lineup. If if the Marlins, you know, pl- plan to com- compete and to continue hitting or improve their hitting, I should say, um, I think that depth is going to be the one key factor because we've seen the injuries um, over the years. We've seen Garrett Cooper go down. Jorge Soler go down. What's your feeling on the depth of this team? Is depth an issue? Um, and how do the Marlins approach that? I think to a certain degree, all teams are going to have a depth issue through the season. I think it is, you know, it's a question you've always got of next man up. Now you named three guys there that I think are, are genuine major league replacement players in the sense of they can come up and do a job. I'd, I'd add Amaya and Mangum. Mangum I'm super high on. And I think it's strange, like you said, with Hampson in the lineup or even on the roster, you've got these younger, more more exciting guys, I guess. Now, you could argue that they're all very young and they need a bit of seasoning and you want to see a bit out of them in the minors. I think it is a case of Wendell seems to be coming back now. He's he's getting some reps in, getting some uh, some play in, on the off field. So it is a case of he could be back soon. And they didn't want to bring up a young guy, an exciting guy, guy for the future, maybe for a couple at bats or a couple of days sat right in the pine. Um, and I think maybe Hampson getting the start is just an echo of the fact that Jazz and Arias needed that blow. They needed a day. We spoke before or before we recorded to the idea of having a day, a day off when the game is being played is different than having a day off that's an actual day off and I think it is right that these guys in the early part of the season because they're both going to be so important to the team getting that rest getting making sure that they're they're healthy going through the season you want these guys at 100% all year and if that means having a day off here and a day off there then that makes sense that's that's the wear and tear of baseball so Hampson I think is it's it is a case of they've brought him up because they know that he's not actually going to get a lot of playing time and we're just going to have to eat the fact that he's in the lineup today and, and hope that the, either he can get a knock or the guys around him can get some offense going. Yeah, and just hope for the best. Um, and it's no disrespect to Garrett Hampson. It's just the, the the fact is the Marlins do have a lot of depth in the minor leagues. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that transitions into the depth at the major leagues when it comes to the lineup and, and various hitters. Now, the depth of pitching, on the other hand, we mentioned the bullpen and how they've improved so much over the last year or two. Uh, the starting rotation going into the season, Johnny Cueto was a guy that many expected to eat innings, um, to be a main innings eater. Uh, had that big big season for the White Sox statistically, um, you know, pitched lower ERA, ate up a lot of innings, and no one expected him to be a world beater or to replace the talent of a guy like Pablo Lopez. But 
you know, first start, he goes down and it's next man, man up. And we've seen this time and time again over the last couple, couple of seasons, the Marlins call up Braxton Garrett. And now Garrett is in the rotation and I really like Garrett. I think, um, you know, he's a guy that a can get you a lot of innings and be efficient at it. His stuff really plays up. He's got a fastball. It's low velo, but he actually has a really nice curveball and gets a decent amount of strikeouts with it. So I was happy to see Garrett in for Cueto over Dan Castano. That was the other name that was kind of floating around there. But Eddie Cabrera is just a bit of an enigma to me. And this is where I'm going with this. Um, 13, now up to 14 walks in three, three starts. Leads the majors in walks, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and yet he limits the damage by not giving up a ton of base hits. It's really fascinating because he, on one hand, he throws gas and strikes out a bunch of players. And on the other hand, he just can't find the zone. What is going on with, with Eddie right now? I mean, it's hard to give up hits when you're walking at one, isn't it? <laughs> right. Um, right. After, after those first two starts, I was I was quite concerned, actually. And I thought it was going to be a long road to recovery. I didn't see him just immediately turning it around. And as it is, his last start was actually pretty decent. Five solid innings. Just the one walk, and that was late in the fifth inning. So I think it was just a bit of, you know, he was getting through um, to his sort of max pitch load. I think it's, it's so early. He's so young. There's We forget sometimes that it, just because he's not the number one or the number two, that doesn't mean there's, a, there's not any pressure on him. He's a young guy pitching in the major leagues. And those first two starts, it probably got to him and there was far too many walks. The stuff's there. We know the stuff's there. And, and Mel, the one thing we hear every single player get told is trust your stuff. Your stuff works. It plays. It's major league right. quality stuff. Just throw your pitches and, and you will come out as a, as, with a positive outcome. And I think it's just a slow recovery from that. I think Eddie's got all the talent in the world. I think at the end of the season, we'll see we'll see representative numbers. We'll see a quality arm there. And, and the, the sky's the limit for him. I think to be off put by two starts and a lot of walks. I mean, it was a lot of walks. But, <laughs> but for me, that, that last start was key. I think that makes that's a huge change. That gives him a, you can take a, he can take a lot of confidence from that and move forwards and just put those two dreadful starts in the rearview mirror and, and carry on. And especially against a lineup like Philadelphia, where they got mashers all over, um, for him to go out and pitch five solid innings, it was, it was encouraging to see. Um, both him and Trevor Rogers, um, a guy we haven't talked about today, but a big piece of the Marlins rotation going forward as he hopes to try to have that bounce back season I want to see them both pitch deeper into games. I think that's been one of my, you know, uh, th the thorns in my side with this team have been the inability for starting pitchers to really go six, seven innings on a consistent basis. We mainly see um, five innings tops, to be quite honest, um, from Garrett and Eddie and um, and Trevor. So moving forward, it's going to be interesting, and hopefully we start seeing that, um, you know, Skip lets them go deeper and they limit their pitch count going forward because you don't want to tax the bullpen 
uh, too early in the year. Um, tired bullpen is just a recipe for disaster. We've seen it before. Now, heading into this weekend series, we got a three-game set against the Diamondbacks. What are you most looking forward to see um, during this weekend? Any players, position matchups, and just your thoughts on the series as a whole? On the whole show, obviously, um, I would say Arizona, as far as a team for me, they've got a really young, exciting outfield. They're, they're a team that you hear a lot about when the Marlins were looking to try and pick up an outfielder. It was a good mix um, with Thomas and McCarthy and Carroll. These three guys are all super young, super talented, and super exciting. And um, this will be my first. I I watch pretty much every game of, of the Marlins season, um, but I don't see a lot of other games. So when other teams come into town, it's a it's a good time for me to catch up with them. So I'm looking forward to the Marlins going against that that young, exciting outfield. And the team on the whole is quite an exciting team, actually. Um, so, yeah, it will be it will be a fun one for me. It's a very – Arizona is a very popular, you know, wild card pick heading into this season. Young team, like you said. Corbin Carroll, I've got to say, is just amazing. Um, his speed, true 80-plus, you know, on the, on the grade. It's, it's incredible how fast he is. And it's going to be interesting to see – defensively how the Marlins handle that speed because defensively the Marlins have been a bit iffy so far um you know third base Gene Segura making a a few errors early on and then Jazz the experiment with Jazz I think he settled in but you know we got some good pitching matchups including I can't remember if it's tomorrow's game or Sunday's game but the the, the suntan showdown, um, Sandy Alcantara versus Zach Gallen, former Marlin. Um, really excited to see that one because Zach Gallen's a great pitcher, and we all know what Sandy does. So that's going to be quite the matchup. Oh, absolutely. And it'll be uh, hopefully Jazz can be playing in that game. It'll be a good little matchup. Um, yeah, Gallen's been a good pitcher, and, and he's, he's a loss for the Marlins for sure. But um, you know, ultimately the return was was jazz, so you can't complain at that. Um, but yeah, no, the the I'd say that Arizona's biggest knock is probably that starting rotation, but Gallant at the top of it is certainly the, the the diamond in the rough. And it was definitely a win win trade, much like the the trade for um for Luis Arias, the definition of a win win trade, Luis Arias for Pablo. You could say the same for Jazz Chisholm and and Zach Gallon. But that'll do it for us on today's episode. I want to say thank you, Sean, first and foremost, for joining the pod. Your knowledge and expertise on the Marlins is its always a pleasure to discuss the ball club with you. So thank you for joining. Uh, you're far too kind. I'm always uh, up for an opportunity to talk baseball with uh, dedicated people like you, Jamar. Well, thank you, guys. And let's go fish. <laughs>